All right, you can just uh, clip it on your collar. Like this? Yeah, that's fine. All right. Okay, you good? Yeah. Okay, tell us your story. Okay. Um, so, you know, the moment I graduated from college, right, I made it my mission to become a full-time writer. I knew that if I wanted to turn what I love doing into a career, that I needed to be the one to figure that out for myself. So for three years, I, I studied fiction writing from professional writers and accomplished authors at my school. And yet, none of them said much or, or said anything really about how an aspiring writer actually becomes financially successful. I mean, like, yeah, they could, they could you know, explain how to, how to engineer a riveting plot. They could tell you how to describe a, a memorable scene or how to create a relatable character, but they could not step-by-step explain how to go from barista working on a novel to full-time professional writer. And so, you know, after a while, I just said, screw it, I'll go look for the answers myself. Yeah, and uh, when, when, when I was 23 years old, I was nothing but an entry-level copywriter at an ad agency with a college-level writing portfolio. But by the time I turned 26, I had written over a thousand articles on the internet, had worked published in, in, in places like Forbes, Times, uh, uh, Fortune, Business Insider, CNBC, and, 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 and so much more. And I had become one of Inc. Magazine's top 10 most popular columnists. I mean, at that point, I was, I was averaging over a million organic views on my writing month after month. I've, I, I had even become the number one most read writer on all of Quora. So this was the moment I took the leap from my nine to five, started freelance writing, and, and, and fell into the world of uh, executive ghostwriting, and then six months later started a company of my own. So in four short years, from the moment I received my college degree to the moment I took the leap, I had successfully figured out how to turn the craft of writing into a full-time career. And you're going to tell us how. Yeah, and, and I'm going to tell you how. Hello, 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 dear listeners, and welcome to the Economical Rice Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a bit different in the sense that I'll be exploring some different storytelling styles. Uh, I've been listening to and inspired by a bunch of audio dramas recently, and I just wanted to try producing something in a similar vein. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you heard the episode titled The Insurance Lady, and you kind of have a rough idea of what I mean. 
So basically what I did was I came across this article on Medium written by Nicholas Cole titled How do you take the leap from your 9 to 5 follow these 7 steps and adapted it for audio. It's a really good piece and somewhat relevant to the things that I've been talking about in my last few episodes. And yeah, if you are currently facing that fork in the road of whether or not to stay at your office job or take the leap and become a freelancer, then you should definitely read the original piece. I'll leave the link in the description. But otherwise, if you don't feel like reading at the moment and you still want to get the message, then by all means, continue listening. So without further ado, here is The Leap. Step number one, question what you think you know and search for what you don't know, you don't know. You know, my, my mentor used to say this to me all the time, Cole, you don't know what you don't know. And when, when I first graduated college, I had this very particular image in my head of what being a full-time writer look like. I thought, it, it, I thought it meant having a book deal with a formal publisher. I thought it meant like getting a big advance, you know? And, and I thought it just meant sitting quietly in a room by myself 18 hours a day just torturing yourself writing and writing and writing and writing. But, but the truth is that image in my mind was based on very, very, very limited information. I didn't know what I didn't know. For example, I, I didn't know that a big advance for most writers fell in the, in the, in the ballpark of $5,000 to $30,000. I didn't know that there were plenty of other ways to, to make money as a writer other than just publishing books. I mean, I, I didn't even know that the term sales copywriter existed until years after graduating college. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. But my point is, the, the decisions I was making or, or, or thought I was making for my career were just based in theory. It was all projection, assumptions, instead of being rooted in actual fact and, and, and lived experiences. Which is why the first thing that you need to do is to have a good, long reflection on your beliefs, on your dreams, on your goals, whatever, right? And then just get rid of all these myths and make sure that the future that you're imagining for yourself actually has some merit. Step two, once you set your horizon, start moving towards it relentlessly. Now, that, that same mentor, right, he would also have this other saying, which is like, you can't steer a stationary ship. You know, most people that come across my writing today have no idea how much time and energy and effort that I put into finding my way in the beginning. 
I mean, to be completely honest, I, I didn't know what sort of writer I wanted to become. I, I, I wasn't even sure becoming a writer was, was a realistic dream for myself. All I knew was that every time I, I sat down at my computer to, to type, to play words, to write, I was happy, you know? So, at the beginning, I tried like a million different things. One, one of my first writing-related uh, endeavors, actually, was microblogging on Instagram about my journey as a bodybuilder in, uh, in, uh, in, in my early 20s. You know, so, so when my coworkers at the agency I was working at found my Instagram, they, they, they cracked jokes and, and made fun of me, and they, they failed to understand why I wanted to post pictures of myself on the internet. But I saw my efforts through, through a different perspective. You see, for, for me, it was more of like taking a step forward towards figuring out how I could write things people wanted to read online. That's it. And, and I kept at it, and a, a year and a half later, I had over 10,000 followers and, and loyal readers uh, on that Instagram page. And, and doing this led me to Quora. Quora introduced me to long-form writing and storytelling online, and then consistently writing online caused my work to get republished by nearly every major publication on the internet, and then eventually this led to an exclusive column with Inc. magazine. And, uh, and, and my column of ink led to my first freelance client, and then one client turned to two, two turned to four, four turned to a startup that, that now has, that now employs 15 plus people with 50 plus clients all over the world in, in a wide range of industries. So, so back to the saying, right? You can't steer a, a stationary ship. So many people, when, when they want to leave their nine to five, they want to have the full strategy right out the gate. You know, they want to have the entire map with all the answers clearly laid out in front of them all before they even fucking start. But, but you know what? That's not how the journey works at all. And success doesn't start with, with a perfect plan that makes perfect sense and you just follow all these little perfect steps along the way. What happens is you start you try, you fail, you figure things out, you start, you try, and you keep going and going and going, and then the map starts filling itself in as you go along. Step number three, remove all distractions. All right, so this next part, right? People don't believe me when I tell this story, but, but trust me, I really did this, okay? So, so, so once I entered the real world and, and found myself dealing with you know, the stresses and responsibilities of, of life outside of college, I quickly realized how easily years could just fly by. I mean, I had to commute an hour to work each day, both ways. And usually, I didn't get home until 
about 9 p.m. after work and, and, and heading to the gym in the evening, which meant, which meant that I really only had two hours a day to move myself closer towards my dream, 9.30 p.m. to 11.30 p.m., before passing out and then doing it all over again. And at that time, I was terrified that I just squander away all those you know, I'd squander away those two hours by just watching TV or, or browsing the internet. And what I did was I removed the option completely, just, just all together. So between the ages of 23 and 27, I kid you not, I did not allow myself to own internet in my apartment. I, I didn't own a modem. I didn't own a TV. I didn't have an internet connection, period. I lived in a studio apartment on the north side of Chicago. All I had was like a bed, a desk, and, and, and a small table by the window in my kitchen, which is about four steps away uh, from my bed, which is about two steps away from my desk. And then every single night, when I came home from work, I just put down my stuff and I wrote. And I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote. Just, you know, kept at it consistently just grinding, grinding each and every single day. Even then, I knew what I was doing was over the top. I, I knew that my decisions were unconventional and, and easily misunderstood, right? But honestly, I, I didn't really see any other option. I mean, sure, maybe I could have owned an internet connection and just moderated myself. But the back of my mind, I just kept thinking that the risk of accidentally foregoing my dream outweighed the, 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 the instant gratification that I would have from access to all these things like YouTube and, and, and Facebook and Netflix and, and whatnot. I, I guess I, I didn't want four years to go by and for me to just say to myself at the end, gee, I, I wonder if I could have done more. You know, I, I, I wonder if I could have become a professional writer. So most people, I think, aren't actually that willing to go through, to go to all these great lengths to remove the distractions in their life that's keeping them from achieving their dreams, right? And uh, instead, they just try to add to, to, to their to-do list. You know, they say stuff like, oh, I just need to finish my master's first, or oh, I just need to learn this skill first, or, or, or oh, I just need to brainstorm a good idea first, right? But what they fail to realize is that habits and routines are the secret to success. And a habit cannot be formed when another one already exists in its place. So key message here, before you want to create, before you, you know, even consider going on this new, bold new venture and whatnot, take all this, take all this insane risk, you got to first understand, know yourself, and be prepared to remove all the bad ones to make way for the ones that will actually lead you to success. Step number four, don't know in theory. Know because you practice your craft day after day after day. You know, from time to time, 
I get questions like, uh, what's your secret ingredient? Or uh, what's the magic bullet that will get me to my dream job? And I can tell you that honestly, I attribute 99% of my success in the writing world to just one thing. Do you know, I write a lot, <laughs> okay? I mean, when I first started writing on Quora back in 2014, I challenged myself to write one Quora answer per day, every day, for a year straight. Where this approach even came from was when I was 17 years old, I started a gaming blog on one of the first social blogging sites on the internet called Gamer Riot. And for my entire senior year of high school, I challenged myself to write one new blog post there per day, every single day. And by the time I graduated high school, I'd become one of the top five most popular bloggers on the entire site. So naturally then, when I started writing on Quora, I decided to take the same approach that had already proven successful at a previous time in my life. And sure enough, after just three months of writing on Quora, I had my first answer go viral accumulating like a hundred thousand views or more, right? And then a month after that, I had my first answer get republished by Inc. Magazine. A month after that, I had my first answer go massively viral, accumulating over a million plus views and landing on the front page of Reddit. And every month after that, more and more things just started happening. It was like a snowball of, of good things, you know? Like positive reinforcement, but, but on a massively exponential scale and and yeah as of as of today i have written over 3000 articles on the internet under my own name and there's probably hundreds more as a ghostwriter for uh, clients and companies so really the secret ingredient is just that volume wins like you know that saying that you miss every shot you don't take well this is like that but in reverse it's like the more shots you take, the better your chances of scoring. And, and <laughs> I mean, realistically speaking, there is no substitute for practice. There's no way to avoid the thousands upon thousands of hours required in order to master your craft. Which means if you want to become a professional, you know, if you want to turn your side hustle into like a long-lasting and successful career on yourself, emphasis on long-lasting, right? You need to fucking practice, okay? And I mean, it's, it's not just that, right? It's not just writing for writing's sake. Ba basically, you need to care. You need to take this seriously. You need to root your knowledge in, in lived experience. And you need to actually go out and do, not just not just think, not just assume, not just based everything on theory or, or, or stuff you read in a blog post about marketing, most likely written by a marketer who hasn't done any of the things they're recommending you do. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that practice, essentially, is what separates the people who, who go on to have incredible careers from freelancers who just fall flat on their face. And Practice is what allows you to speak with true authority on your craft. Because you aren't recommending what you think works, you're recommending what you've learned through 
hours upon hours and then all the blood, sweat and tears spent in the trenches. And that's the secret. That is the whole damn truth. What Hello? The? What happened? I don't know. What's up? No, you need you need help. I need help? Definitely. What's help? Assistance? Supportive action? You, uh, you really need some. Oh, okay. Step okay. number five. Find yourself okay. a mentor. Help. Help. Oh, how can I help? What? Is, is there a way I can help? So, you know, when you were talking about um, your story and you were telling us about how you were already doing all these, um, um, you were already constantly writing online and stuff, I was just wondering, why didn't you start out doing freelancing immediately? I mean, yeah, you already had some experience with your blogging days, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so... One of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason why I stayed working as a copywriter at this ad agency was because the creative director was willing to mentor me. I mean, at that point in my life, I, I, I could have taken a higher paying job somewhere else. I could have made another 20,000 a year being a copywriter at a bigger agency. The reason why I chose not to pursue those opportunities or you know, even take the leap to, to freelancing yet was because I didn't want short-term money. Like an, an, an extra $20,000 a year wasn't going to change my life. It just meant that I could probably buy Chipotle two more times a week or you know, just an, a nice shirt every once in a while neither of which were going to help me get from where I, where I was to where I wanted to be. So instead of money, I wanted access to information. I wanted to learn how to think like someone who was already successful, you know, like how to be an entrepreneur, how to take my, my career and the direction of my life into my own hands. And um, this, this creative director, who was also one of the founders, he provided that opportunity. Now, but, but here's the thing, right? When it comes to mentorship, the first question that people always ask is, how do I find someone to mentor me? And you know what the real answer is? You don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't believe that mentors are found by asking them to mentor you. And I also don't believe that mentors would, would, would be willing to, to help you the more you beg and say, please, please, just give me the answers, right? Mentors, they, it's kind of funny, they present themselves when you are already investing in yourself, you know? Like, in your life, there are probably, I don't know, five or six people around you right now that could mentor you in, in some way. The problem, however, is that most people don't ask for help. They see asking questions as like a sign of weakness instead of a strength. And so these mentor figures never have a chance to reveal themselves. In, in, in my case, I didn't have any sort of formal conversation where, 
where I particularly asked to be mentored. I just showed up to work, asked a lot of questions, you know, I, I offered to do the bitch work that, that nobody wanted to do, like play assistant and type up emails while my boss and mentor, you know, dictated them. And while everyone else saw this as beneath them, I saw it as a way to have a front row seat next to the very person I wanted to learn from, right? Right, so, so yeah, I mean, mentors, they are, they're everywhere, man. And, and, and finding the right mentor will just skyrocket your growth as a human being and they will you know, teach you all the things you need to know and they will they'll be so vital and so essential to, to, to your future success. But the key thing here is that they're waiting for you to ask the first question. Step number six, being great at what you do isn't enough. You have to learn the business side too. All right, here we go. So now we're getting into the uh, real important stuff. <laughs> and, and, and basically the, the idea here is that if you want to turn what you love into a career, then you have to figure out how that thing is going to make you money. Plain and simple. Um, this is a skill that I think most people either wait too long to develop or just underestimate entirely. Um, aspiring writers, for example, think freelance writing is all about the craft, where in reality, it's actually about the craft and your ability to sell, close, and retain clients. And you know, the second part doesn't just happen. You, know, you, don't, you don't wake up one morning, call yourself a freelance writer on Facebook, and then suddenly have an endless stream of new business coming in, right? And, and what this means is that you have to prove to yourself that you can do the following things. Number one, charge for the product or skill set that you are offering to the market. For, you know, for, for example, if, uh, if people are buying your books or not, or if they're hiring for your services. Number two, if uh, you are consistently bringing in revenue by performing your side hustle over a long period of time, six plus months in this case would be a pretty, pretty good gauge. And then number three, receive positive feedback from customers. You know, you have a problem if, if people are, are just buying but leaving unhappy and, and demanding a refund, right? And, and until you can do these three things, it's hard to say whether or not you're truly ready to take the leap. I mean, when I was thinking about leaving my own nine to five, I really doubted whether or not I could execute on the, you know, on, on, on the things I just mentioned. I had never landed a freelance writing gig that paid more than $25. I, I hadn't increased any other revenue streams to any substantial amount. I had all these unknown variables in front of me and, and whenever I would think about taking the leap, it just felt so insurmountable. 
And, and this is why I stress the importance of testing your hypotheses first before leaping. You want to prove these things to yourself before you fling yourself off the ledge and into unknown territory. Because if you can, because if you can prove these things prior to leaping, suddenly it just doesn't feel like this big grand leap anymore. At that point, leaping just feels like the next logical step. So at the beginning of 2016, I challenged myself to start tracking my side hustle income. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this, right? I created this Excel spreadsheet at the office on a Sunday because you know my mentor gave me a key and said I could work there whenever I wanted to on the weekends. And at the end of January 2016, I marked down all the different places my revenue came from. At that time, it was my paycheck working at the agency and my very first product that I had launched online, which was this online video course teaching people how to write on Quora, which I sold for like $37. And uh, in, that gen in, in January, I sold one. So my side hustle income was $37. In February, I got paid to write a guest article for a fitness website and sold two more courses. So I made roughly 200 bucks. In March, nothing much happened. I made zero dollars, but at the end of March, I officially got my column with Inc. Magazine. And in April, I wrote 30, yes, 30 columns for Inc. Magazine, drove over 100,000 page views, and made my first thousand plus in a month. In May, I wrote another 30 columns and doubled the amount of page views I brought in with one article going especially viral. I mean, Inc. had to cut a check that month for several thousand dollars, all of which went directly into my savings account. And then June and July were back-to-back were -back profitable months writing. And suddenly, I saw this as a potentially reliable income stream. You know, even though at the time, it was still 100% based on page views and, and performance, which was uh, inherently risky. So all the money I made for, for, from Inc. went directly towards what I called my leap fund. And in August, when I decided for myself that it was time to take the leap, I had successfully saved up about $5,000, which is like three months of runway based on my current living expenses. I had essentially proven to myself that I could land a few freelance clients and just and, and, and sell them on my services. And I had month over month come close to matching my, my actual full-time monthly income just with my side hustle income. And like I said, right, when you're at that point, suddenly the whole map starts to unfold right in front of your eyes. Leaping didn't feel so daunting anymore. And yeah, it just, it just felt like the next logical step. Okay, step number seven. Once you leap, it's not time for a vacation. It's time to sprint.
I will never, for the rest of my life, forget the day I truly realized what I had done. Right after I, I took the leap, a friend of a friend asked for my help on a startup they were, they were launching in the gaming space. The opportunity was everything a 26-year-old could have asked for. They were renting a mansion in Hollywood Hills as their office. They offered to let me stay in La La Land rent-free as long as I worked on the company with them. So free from my 9 to 5 and, and all the formal work responsibilities, I just said, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll book my flight tonight. And then off I went. And honestly, taking the leap was such an exciting time in my life. I felt like four years of ridiculous work ethic had awarded me with a level of freedom that most people could only dream of. That is until about a week and a half into the trip when the 15th of the month rolled around and, and I opened my bank account. And without even realizing it, somewhere in my subconscious, I expected to see my bi-weekly paycheck and, and it just wasn't there. I had this uh, mild anxiety attack. I remember pacing around the house nestled up in Hollywood Hills thinking I'd made a terrible mistake. You know, that I was just, that, that I had been lying to myself, that I wasn't actually uh, prepared to take the leap and, and, and that I had miscalculated, that I'd be out of money no time. And that worst of all, I'd have to go back to Chicago and, and beg for my job back. So that, that was when I felt deep down in the pit of my stomach, the reality of my situation. And um, on the surface, you know, taking the leap seems like this big, amazing moment, right? But in reality, it's really more like a humbling awakening to the fact that you are now 100% responsible for your own life and well-being. No, no one is going to cut you a guaranteed paycheck anymore. Nobody is going to hover over your shoulder and say, hey, you need to do this or, you know, hey, you need to do that. And it's a really scary feeling having to admit to yourself that you are the only person who can put food on the table. And unless you go out hunting, you are not going to eat. And so for a very, 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 very long time after taking the lead, I was just driven by fear. I worked relentlessly, like, like you have no idea. I took on as many clients as I could possibly handle. I was available seven days a week, 12 to 14 hours a day. There was a point in time when I was ghostwriting four to five articles per day, every single day of the week for about five months straight. And, and I did all of this because I was fucking terrified of what was right around the corner, right? Like, after putting in all this work, after slogging it for all these years, would all this effort go to waste? Would it just disappear tomorrow? And it, it took me a while to learn how to balance this feeling of, uh, of anxiety with the reality of, of my situation. But I gotta say, man, even so, I, I really do think that there is still a lot of merit 
to being driven by fear. And the reason for this is, is uh, I know a lot of people who just try their hand at taking the leap. They don't prepare themselves accordingly. And then worst of all, they treat their leap as a sort of vacation. You know, they, they, they use their leap fund to travel the world or hang out at the pool while everyone else is working, only to be right back applying for like nine to five jobs a few months later. And, and you know, if, if you're thinking of freelancing full-time, this is, this is not what you want to be doing at all. Instead, you want to instill habits, a positive mindset, and then very, very clear goals for yourself prior to taking a leap. So that the moment once you're out on your own, you don't falter or get distracted. And um, at the end of the day, if, if, if I had to summarize what I know about leaving your 9 to 5 job into just one condensed message, um, it would be this. Leaping is all about doubling down on your side hustle and accelerating it to the point where it's the only thing you do all day long. Not enjoying a two to three month vacation and then going back to square one. That, that would just be a fucking waste of time. And with that brings the end to today's episode. Hope you enjoyed listening to that one. I certainly had quite a bit of fun working on it. All right, once again, the original article is titled How Do You Take the Leap from Your 9 to 5? Follow These 7 Steps. And it was written by Nicholas Cole. I'll leave the link in the description and the show notes where you can also find the links to all the music used for this episode as well. And if you have any thoughts, questions, or opinions, please feel free to reach out on social media or by sending me an email at dcordy at gmail.com. That's d-k-o-o-r-d-i at gmail.com. This has been your host Danny for the Economical Rice podcast. We're over here. We stage our own fake interviews and literally run around to record 15 second transitions. Thanks for listening. <laughs>